Uh, I got a question for you, husband. Okay, wife. What you got? Do you think that unbelievers should get married? People that don't believe in Jesus, that don't believe in God, should they get married? Uh. Interrupting in conversations is not a good <laughs> way to communicate with your spouse, but for the sake of drama. <laughs> sure, we're all about that drama. You know us. Uh, I actually do have an answer because um, we've talked through this and I already had convictions when I first read this question, but we will share that with you once we get done with all of our preamble stuff. So. <laughs> Announcements. Yeah, biggest announcement. All right. We have new books that are pre-ordering as a time as as of this recording and as of you listening to this. They're called How a Husband Speaks, How a Wife Speaks. Mm-hmm. And together they're called How They Speak. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, at some point <laughs> when you're writing a book and you're editing, you just kind of you hit your creative max. <laughs> you're like, I can't possibly <laughs> squeeze any more juice from this orange that I call my noggin here. <laughs> Um, so anyway, <laughs> check those out. You can go to fiercemarriage.com slash speak. Uh, we have a special pre-order thing where you'll get access to our couples communication masterclass. Do, do, do. We're working on that right now, <laughs> um, but it's bound to be helpful. And, uh, you know, the thing about communication is, is it, it, we talked about this a few episodes back is it can feel very obvious, Yes. but what we don't, what we need in communication is not, Hey, you should communicate more. I think every couple knows that. Right. Intuitively, they've also been told it probably. Bazillion times. Yeah. But what you need is heart transformation. And heart transformation comes by looking at God's word honestly in terms of the words that we speak. Mm-hmm. And so that's what these books hopefully offer. That's what we wrote them with that purpose in mind. Lord willing, that purpose will happen. So you don't know who we are. We've just given you that whole pitch. I'm Ryan. This is my lovely wife, Selena. We're the Fredericks. We do the Fierce Marriage Podcast on Thursdays. We release the Fierce Parenting Podcast. And uh, we are thrilled to do this work. It's been a blessing from the Lord. And in that vein, we wouldn't be able to do this work if it it's weren't true. for our amazing patrons. So if you aren't a patron and you've thought about becoming a patron, I'm here to tell you now, more than ever, it's important. All right. We just, I just sent a message out to our awesome patrons, basically saying like, they're the if you've seen that meme of like the shield and like arrows hitting someone holding the shield or, you know, like yeah, our patrons are the ones protecting us yes. from not being able to do this work. And obviously the Lord is, is using the, the patrons to that effect. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to one of our patrons. We've not ever done this, but Lance, no, is it Lance H and Christopher C. All right. You're two of our newest patrons. I want to just shout out, say thank you so much for joining. You didn't ask for that. We didn't offer that. But here we are doing it. I think we're going to start doing that more and more because we really want to build up this base of people. We're almost to 300. We'd awesome. love to get to 500. I think at 500, we should do something funny and Sounds daring good. and hilarious. Sounds good for something like for Selena's you, shave you to do. <laughs> Selena will shave her head. I we will get 500 not. patrons. I will not. No, that, yeah, I wouldn't allow that. <laughs> what should I do? We'll find Well, let's get some. What, what do you think we should do? Let's All get right. some ideas from out there. So, right. so ideas, fiercemarriage.com slash ask. You can ask questions, which is where we get one of these questions today, but you can also leave ideas for what Ryan should do upon reaching 500 patrons. <laughs> That's only going to be for patrons only, by the way. <laughs> so, so, oh, fiercemarriage.com slash partner. <laughs> That's how you become a patron. There you go. Fiercemarriage.com slash partner. <laughs> what you got, Selena? What are we talking about today? Uh, well, we it's, asked this big question. Sorry. 
We did ask this big question, but it didn't come from us. It came from one of you, a listener, uh, going by the name of Tess. She said, note, I am joyously married to a wonderful man of God. Praise God. Love hearing that. This question does not apply to me personally, but more to answer a curiosity of something he and I have discussed our thoughts and opinions on, but have yet to come to a conclusion on what is clear. Uh, what's a clear biblical answer or what's a clear viewpoint? Uh, what is the purpose of marriage for unbelievers? They're already living in sin, not marrying for the purpose of following God's commands. They're not seeking to glorify God with their marriage. So what is the purpose of marriage for unbelievers? Mm. And I think we kind of need to take one more step back and say, first of all, and which is what I ask you, should unbelievers get married? And you had an answer. So we're going to answer these, both of these questions, but I think we should start with, should an unbeliever get married? They will have overlapping answers on some of the front, but yeah, I think it, my first response, we were in the pregame, we were talking about this (laughs) and you asked me this question and I thought, well, you know, what's the purpose of marriage for an unbeliever? I said, well, what's the purpose of eating for an unbeliever? What's the purpose of sleeping for an unbeliever? What's the purpose of making responsible financial decisions for an unbeliever? Right? What are the purposes of these things? Hmm. Are they somehow detached from that person's worldview? Or, and this is what I would contend, are they so baked into the fabric of humanity and the fabric of society mm-hmm. and the fabric of creation by God who sits outside of creation? Are they so baked into that that it doesn't matter what you what you profess in terms of your faith? If you follow these ways, you will it'll be better for you than Mm. if not. Mm -hmm. If you choose not to eat or if you choose to eat garbage, it's baked into the universe that you, you will, you will lack nourishment. If you choose not to sleep, if you choose not to marry, you will lack a certain blessing that is built into the marital structure. So, so well, the answer is should unbelievers get married? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, are they going to view it the same way as somebody who is a Bible believing Christian? Probably not. I mean, an unbeliever could be somebody who was raised in a believing home. They understand what covenant is, basically. They understand what love is, biblically, though they've chosen to reject the faith. Yeah. They can still step into a committed relationship and say, I'm committed to this woman or this man. I think there is a desire for commitment, no matter, again, like you said, I think it's baked into the fabric of who God created us to be, right? Mm. And so remember when we did that interview with um, Blaze and... What's his name? Oh, I don't remember his name. Man, I feel so bad. I could look it up. Anyways, Ian. It's Ian. Ian. Thank you. Hi, Ian and Blaze. Chances are you're not watching this. <laughs> uh, they were a couple. We got brought in for an interview to talk about polyamory. polyamory. Yeah, and they were they. Uh, Ian had come from a like his, I think his parents were Jewish. They're religious Jews, sure. practicing yeah. Jews. And so they were monogamous. They had just been married to each other. All his of that. Were. His parents were. Um, and he saw that and he was like, that's great. But he wanted this other lifestyle. Um, but I don't know. I if, contend with that, to be honest. I, I remember what happened was well, he, yeah. he loved Blaze. That's what I'm, I, was, I was getting to. And Blaze that's what I was demanded this lifestyle. Right. She said, if you're going to Date me or be with me, you're going to have to be okay with me being polyamorous. Being with someone else whenever, and you so know. And so Ian, I think he was caught in this. Well, that's what I was, that was the whole, thank you. That was yeah. the whole hook of Sorry. what I was trying to say is that there are unbelievers, right? But you could see in his eyes that he wanted a committed relationship. Yeah. You could see that he wanted, he loved her and he, he wanted it. to, yeah. He would have preferred it. 
Yes. But he wanted to love her so badly that he basically said that you can do what you want as long as you don't leave me. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's right. heartbreaking. But. And so there's a lot of good to be had from people getting married. Uh, monogamously. Monogamously. Yes. Right. There's fruitfulness that can happen. I mean, there's countless stories of pastors who grew up in unbelieving homes. Um, but again, God used, used that situation for his glory. And so mm. I guess... You know, I question, I'm like, who am I to think that God can't use a situation of unbelievers coming under, you know, his design for marriage and not, not really knowing that they're doing that. Right. It's so much, it's been so, so much of a, co- a social construct, um, well, which there's a flip side to that, which a, we'll get to. Let me be clear. Okay. It's not a social construct. It's not. But people they believe. they view it as a social construct yes. is what you're trying to say. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So they see it as optional and they think, well, we get married because that's just what people do in our society. Well, did it occur to you that the reason that people do that in society is because it is foundational to human flourishing Mm -hmm. because God made it that way? Did that occur to you? And when you remove God from that equation, you uh, you're left with, well, what what for? And of course, we can then argue from pragmatism. I don't like to do that. But I think in this case, you can like it is almost not almost it is always better for a, for a man to have a committed relationship with a woman, it's always better vice versa for the woman to have a committed relationship with the man. It's always, always, always better for a child to be raised in a stable home environment where the mm-hmm. husband and wife are together mm-hmm. and they are both in the life of that child. That's always better. Always better. And so absolutely should an unbeliever get married. Yes. Yes. Because even if you don't profess faith in God, even if you've catechized your children into the ways of the world, into secular humanism, evolution, into whatever crazy mm-hmm. ideology you have, uh, it's still going to be better for that child if you're together. Now, I wish you would follow the Lord. <laughs> um, but pray. Yeah. Pray for that. I want to get the baby. Bam. We're baby. back. Baby. Sorry. We had a, we had a baby, baby break there. Um, so this begs the question. Uh, you know, yeah, we obviously want couples to embrace the gospel, to be transformed by the grace of God, and to then teach their children those things. But by and large, it's still, regardless, I don't want to say across the board, right? But in general, for human flourishing, marriage is better. But it begs the question, yeah. can can non-believers love? Can mm-hmm. non-believers stay committed? Can these things happen? Now, there's right. degrees, and you could argue definitions. Right, right. But I, I would contend, okay, based on the common grace of God. So common grace is this idea that... You know, it, the sun shines on all humankind, whether believer or non-believer, mm-hmm. we still get the same sunshine. You can still plant crops, crops will grow. You can still taste a delicious steak. You can still enjoy a day with your family, even if you don't profess faith. That's called common grace. And so, yeah, I do think God has inbuilt into humanity the capacity for love mm. and the capacity for selflessness. Now, where the rubber meets to the road. To a degree. To a degree, of course. But really the, the most selfless thing you can do is, and is only enabled by the Holy Spirit, and that is love and obey God. And then for a Christian, how we love and obey God within marriage is we love more selflessly. Mm. As parents, we raise our children faithfully. We disciple them faithfully. So should a non-believer get married or what is the purpose of marriage for a non-believer? It is for the hum- the flourishing of humanity, mm-hmm. flourishing of that family. Can they love? Yes, I believe they can. Can they stay committed? Yes, I believe they can. It's, it happens to this day. When the rubber meets the road, 
their worldview will be put to the test. And I believe, and I know you do too, that the Christian worldview is the only one that can stand the test in a way that is that is most joy-filled and eternally meaningful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, marriage really is a place for sanctification or sinfulness. So mm. you either grow in one of those and whether you acknowledge them or not, right? That's that's what's going to happen. I think it's just at the end mm, of our, our time and our when we're faced with eternity, you know, um, yeah, we can all experience the, the goodness of common grace, but I think how much more motivating is it to, you know, be self-controlled in a marriage that is, is centered on Christ and how much more joyful and hopeful is it to forgive, uh, and learn to rebuild trust when Christ is again, your standard Christ is your rock. Mm. Uh, the gospel is your motivation. The Holy spirit is leading you and indwelling you. So, Again, these are things that we can do, but I think only to the extent that our our humanness allows, I guess. When we have the Holy Spirit enabling us, there's a conviction that happens. It's we can't just stow it away and and stuff it down and ignore it, right? It's I think at some point it just it comes out, whether it's bitterness that's gonna build up over time or it's just explosion after explosion. I just I don't think that you can really get rid of resentment or a hard heart or unforgiveness without the gospel. And so I, yes, an unbeliever should get married and they might even have a better marriage than some believers. I mean, that's, that's also something too, but better, I mean, define better. Maybe they get along, they have great vacations. They seem Mm. to, you know, enjoy each other, but you know, when something happens, how, how, where's, where do they draw their strength from? Where do they draw their, what well do they, they draw from? I, you, you said, you asked this question, how do you define better? You know, for the believer, we don't define better, again, based on pragmatism, right. based on what works. We define better based on what's most glorifying to God. So right. you can have a marriage that is broken, where the husband or the wife, they're contending for their spouse and their spouse is rejecting them or rejecting their covenant. Mm-hmm. That marriage, hear my words, could be better in the sense that it is glorifying God more. If that spouse is contending faithfully mm. with hope in the gospel, with hope mm. in Christ, they are persevering in the middle of hardship mm-hmm. and still praising God in it. Absolutely, that can be better. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I wanted to raise this question because we we mentioned, yeah, do humans have the capacity for love outside of being saved? You know, the uh, the theologian in me, if there is one. <laughs> Wonders about this idea of total depravity. Now, that's a that's a reformed doctrine, and many contend with it. And basically, the total depravity it gets it gets uh, caricatured, right? It gets mm-hmm. right. strawmanned, I think, in this way. And what the doctrine is is not that humans are incapable of good. Some would say that, and I think they're wrong. I think that's not what Calvin meant. Now, the the doctrine is that I am incapable of calling upon the name of the Lord aside from him working that out in me. Mm. Hmm. Okay. It doesn't mean that I can't do anything good. So I just want to be clear on this because I know they have some reformed brothers and sisters be like, wait a second, how can non-believers love? You know, they're mm. totally depraved. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm telling you that maybe you've misunderstood the doctrine and then that's, it's important to understand the, the, the categories we're operating within here. I absolutely do think that, you know, if that couple can, operate in a loving way, in a kind way. They can be selfless toward one another. But when it comes to their salvation, they need to be drawn Mm. and they need to be 
and I, and I think scripture is blatantly clear about this, but it's the work of the Lord in the heart of that believer. And mm-hmm. then it's, there is a, um, anyway, I don't want to get deep, too deep down that rabbit hole, but I, all I have to say is marriage is good because God said so. Marriage is good because God designed it for the flourishing of human humankind. And absolutely, it would be better for every couple to be married than not. And for every couple, the more they understand and embrace the idea that marriage is between one man, one woman for life, and I'm supposed to love them in the selfless way, like the closer we get to that biblical norm, the better society will be. Right. And it starts with that gateway of right. we're committed in a legal way. Right. Right. This is not a, this is not something I can just walk away tomorrow with zero consequence. Right. You know, I heard recently that, you know, Reagan was the one, I think, responsible for the no fault divorce laws that were passed. And he said it, it was the greatest regret of his life. Mm. Uh, I, I would say that the no fault divorce laws are tantamount to the abortion laws that were passed back in the in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and the birth control laws that were passed and the and and the various things that um have led to i believe the undermining of the fabric of our society mm-hmm. society the, the, the norm making no fault divorce normative mm. massive mistake massive mistake i wish we could re, we could roll that back She's and maybe lord willing we will yes it sonny it's true she's very sad about it's true she no hate, fault you know she, she does not like <laughs> doctrinal sloppiness Mm-mm. and she does not like <laughs> <laughs> presidents making broad sweeping <laughs> cultural shifts unilaterally mm. so uh anyways that do we cover yeah the topic? Okay. yeah i think you know just some some thoughts about this briefly as we close um you showed me this twitter thread that talked about uh, who you marry matters, obviously. That's a, I think that's an obvious statement. But Absolutely. they are who you will spend, you know, aside from the outliers, but yeah. uh, most of your life with. Like you will spend your children, your time with your children, which is so sad and sobering, but okay, Lord. Yeah. Uh, typically peaks, you know, when they're kids and then when they're 18, it starts to dramatically so we'll, if decrease. You're, if you're watching on YouTube, we'll show these graphs on the screen. If you're not watching on YouTube, go to our YouTube channel and check it out so you can see these graphs. But it, it, yeah, it, it's a series of graphs in a Twitter thread. And it says mm-hmm. time spent with family. It starts, it peaks at ages, what, 15 through 24. This is your life. Mm-hmm. the time you're spending with your family. And then it basically goes down to one hour per day on average for the rest of your life. Mm. Okay. And then time spent with friends peaks somewhere around age 18. And then it, then it begins to fall until you hit 30 years old. Right. And then it's down below an hour a day on average for time spent with friends. Now time spent with children, which you mentioned as you're 15, 18, 21, you don't have a lot, you don't have children yet. So on average, it's zero hours a day, right. for most people. But, and then when you're in your mid, your thirties and forties, you're spending four to five hours a day with your children mm. every day. And that, that then plummets by the time you're in your fifties mm. and now you're down to one hour a day on average. Right. Okay. And the thing we want to draw attention to here is the time spent with your partner and, or your spouse. We would say, we would say your spouse. spouse yeah. It's non-existent, obviously when you're 15, cause you're not married. And when you get up into your thirties, which is the current average first marriage age mm-hmm. in the wow. U S wow. it's going to be in the early thirties. Now it used to be in the, in the mid to early twenties, 30, 60 years ago, that goes up to not just one hour a day, not two hours a day, but three hours a day mm-hmm. for every day for the rest of your life. And then in the twilight years, you're spending twice that five to six hours a day with your spouse. 
Let's do it. I got to, I got to start a list when we're old. This is what things we need to do when we're old. <laughs> so this is why commitment matters. Yeah. Now think about this graph and we're going to bring it back to our earlier conversation. Who, who you marry matters, but think about you're in your forties. You've not married someone. You've built a life with them, but you're not committed to them. You may have said you're committed, but you've not put your money where your mouth is. This is why I, when I talk to couples who have they've been together for, for 15 years and the guy says, why do we get married? Now it's just a piece of paper. And I always say to him, mm. it's just a piece of paper. Why don't you go get it then? If that's all it is. Right. It's not just a piece of paper. It's not. It is a commitment level mm. that you are not ready for. Mm-hmm. And you have not been able to man up and stand up. And make that commitment to your, to this woman mm-hmm. that you are building a life with. The thing is, is you as a man, you can walk away and you'll pretty much be fine. Mm. She will not be okay. Emotionally, it's different. Physically, it's Physically, different. Physically, it's different. The ability to earn is different. Probably she has spent that time raising your children while you've been building a career. So your financial prospects are very different. Okay. So she wants the commitment because she's wired for it, but also because she has every reason to want the commitment. After all, if you love each other, right. this is what love looks like, especially right. for for a God, for a woman, yep. is she wants longevity. Yeah. Now, if a man loves a woman, he wants longevity too, but men are good at acting. If they get the milk for free, why would they buy the cow? That whole thing. Right. I, I hate that analogy because they're usually referring to women as cows. That's obviously not true. They're women, they're made in God's image. Although we do produce milk. <laughs> Speaking Sorry, of which. just nursing mom over here, so... <laughs> Oh, that sweet, sweet nectar <laughs> to the babes. Um, so the thought process here is, okay, imagine you're in your forties and all of a sudden this guy goes off the rails, whatever reason. I mean, we saw chaos in over the last three years. Minds have bent, worldviews are twisted. Society has all but completely upside mm. down. A lot of stuff can change fairly quickly mm. without that commitment. Now you've, you've, you sever that relationship. And now what are you going to do into your thirties, forties and your forties, fifties, sixties, and into your seventies mm-hmm. where this graph is supposed to be going up. Uh, tragically, I think you'll see this change with time as our, as the singles in our society age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so your time with a spouse will not, or you, it, it will be not four to six hours a day. It will be zero to one on average. And there's another graph, which we haven't shown yet. It's well, there's two, there's time spent with coworkers which is between three and four hours a week or a day for most of your life on average. And then time spent alone. And the time spent alone is the scariest one to me. Um, so marriage matters because it's built for by God for human flourishing. The closer we can get to the biblical norm, regardless of what you believe, I think will help humanity flourish more. I think that's the point I want to end on here. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't know anything about, the gospel. We um, we want you to know what the gospel is. Basically, here here it is. It's the good news. It's not good advice. It's the good news that Jesus Christ came. Mm. He lived a perfect life. He died the sinner's death that he didn't deserve, but we deserved on our behalf, so that we might gain his goodness, his right, mm. his right standing before God. He didn't stay dead. He was risen again and he resurrected into heaven and he reigns there to this day. He ascended into heaven. He reigns there to this day as king. And we as believers. We look to his life and we say we're saved by his mm. life, but we also are to emulate him because we are saved. You're not saved by what you do. Amen. You're saved by who you believe in. And that that savior, is his name is Jesus Christ. We Amen. want you to know him personally. So go talk to a friend who's a Christian. Ask him to read the book of John with you. It's, it's the first 
or it's the third fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, ask them to read that with you. It's amazing. And then if you don't have somebody, well, on top of that, find a Bible preaching church. If you need more help, go to this website, thenewsisgood.com. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your great design, this beautiful cathedral that is marriage that we get to step into, the beauty you've created and mm-hmm. live it out. God, I pray for the marriages that are listening to this, watching this, that you would allow them to flourish, convict their hearts in the right way, whether it's through this episode or through some other thing that's happening in their life. I pray mm-hmm. that they would feel that conviction, Holy Spirit, and they would then have the courage to act on it in obedience to you. Mm-hmm. I pray for the husbands who are struggling, strengthen them. I pray for the wives who are feeling hopeless, Fill them with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to make a quick reminder, fiercemarriage.com slash partner. We said it at the beginning, but that is vital. I mean it. It is vital to our ministry. If you feel led to partner, we would love it. We'd be honored. Go to fiercemarriage.com slash partner. There are benefits there. Um, In fact, uh, the biggest benefit being that when we hit 500... Ryan's going to do something silly, something crazy. Well, it's got to be good, but it can't be so good that I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) all right so we will see when that time comes lord willing but this episode of fierce marriages in the can see you again in seven days until next time stay fierce